Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue, and we're coming to you from the campus of Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Our guest is Bryce Massey, a senior from Strawberry Plains, Tennessee, who is majoring in interior design. He delivered presentations at two international conferences in Berlin, Germany, on how virtual exchange can facilitate global communication. On November 12th, Massey and his fellow students participated in a virtual exchange that included the United States, Germany, Canada, and Portugal. We'll take a short trip around the world from right here after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU's Board of Trustees was updated December 10th on strategic partnerships providing real-world experience and career paths for students while also building a talent pipeline for and resource support from mid-state business and industry. Joe Bales, Vice President for University Advancement, told trustees at their quarterly meeting at Miller Education Center that MTSU has built relationships with more than 70 companies over the past three years as private industry looks to forge closer partnerships with higher education. Paula Leslie, MTSU's Director of Partnerships and Strategic Planning, highlighted one such partnership with Nashville-based Assurian, which has hundreds of MTSU alumni working within its ranks regionally, including in executive positions, and is providing internship opportunities for students. And MTSU Athletics and Murfreesboro City Schools' Education Day partnership continues to soar and keep MTSU number one in the nation for Education Day women's basketball game attendance. The announced crowd of 11,415 people attending the Wednesday, December 4th Lady Raiders game in Murphy Center included 7,345 students and established a National Education Day single-game record. MTSU has the top five single-game attendance totals and seven of the top ten nationally. MTSU also leads the nation in Education Day average attendance, being 11,013 fans. That's almost 1,000 more than second place Virginia. Since Murfreesboro City Schools began partnering to attend Lady Raider games during the 2012-13 season. The field trip allows the children the opportunity to visit the athletic side of the MTSU campus and have fun as they approach the Christmas break. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Bryce, welcome. Thank you for being with us. Hello. I'm, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Uh, the title of your presentation was Virtual Collaboration, Lessons Learned Across the Globe. What was the premise of your presentation? The basic premise of this is global co connectiveness. We have a responsibility to make sure that we're living a sustainable life. It's important to recognize that within our education we're so fortunate enough to have, we should be learning about how to share that with other cultures and learn from other cultures of how they do things and how we can improve upon our, whether it be recycling or um, energy usage, uh, transportation usage, uh, waste management. I understand that you won a travel grant from Strategies Beyond Borders to pay for your trip to Berlin. How did that come about? From the very beginning of the semester, it was uh, just kind of a, a guessing game. We didn't know if it was going to happen or not. By a stroke of luck, Dr. Julian, Dr. Christy Julian, she put me on the abstract for our presentation of Strategies Beyond Borders. They accepted it. Upon acceptance, we 
we're trying to figure out how I was going to be able to go. In total, the trip is about 5000 some odd dollars. Um, and I've uh, produced most of that by private fundraising and whatnot. We found out that there was a possibility that they could do a uh, travel grant. We just applied for it and it was very competitive. There were so many people because this is an international conference. There are people coming from all over the world, Japan, China, Ghana, South America, blah, 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 you know, everywhere yeah. throughout the world. I was just so blessed and fortunate enough to have been picked. And maybe it's because I'm a student and maybe it's because of the focus of our project. I'm not sure. But it was just a really awesome chance to have been given. Does that kind of surprise you that you're the only student from the U.S.? It's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just I, I say it over and over again in my head. Once For me, once in a lifetime opportunity. Is the, the technology any different from just a, just Skyping a conference to uh, perform a virtual exchange? So we used an online platform called PBWorks. Before we got to the actual presentation, we used basically Skype and Zoom to uh, just do our conductor interviews. Oh, tell us what PBWorks is like. I've never been to that website. Right. It is a online platform built basically for this project, for us to be able to post all of our content on, communicate through, and have a set of guidelines set aside for us to follow. Is there some sort of streaming aspect to it where you can communicate live in real time? Yes. So that was the final presentation. There is a Zoom connection through the website that we all had to like sign up for. And it was free, of course, but we just had to go in, make an account and make sure it was set up prior to the presentation day. We then were able to uh, go on there and all of the other countries were on there at the same exact time. So Germany's seven hours ahead of us, Portugal is six hours ahead of us, and Canada's an hour ahead of us, and or the ones farthest behind. So it was just like we all had to find a time throughout the day where we could just be on there at the same exact time. So Germany was Germany and Portugal were on there in the evening. Us in Canada were on there in the morning. And there was a chat, a live chat as well. So you could ask questions and they could ask questions to us without being on the screen and whatnot. For each part of the presentation, there was a chair. We were the chair for transportation. So there were other countries asking questions to us through the chat and they would be answered live through the stream. The technology wasn't the difficult part. It was more the logistics of overcoming the time differences. Yes. That yes. was the challenging part. Yes. So, I mean, I would say we're, we're all pretty tech savvy. We in, in Skype and Zoom aren't very hard to understand, although Skype and Zoom have changed or really Skype has changed a lot in the past 10 years or so on how it works. But um, I mean, it wasn't hard to understand again. Um, but yes, getting the time together for all of us to meet or all of us to meet in the end and do our interviews on that was the hardest part was time management. And that's something we all had to learn. We'll take a break here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Specialized training in forensic science prepares tomorrow's professionals through the Forensic Institute for Research and Education, or FIRE. The Forensic Anthropology Search and Recovery Team assists law enforcement with skeletal remains at crime scenes. Legendary forensic scientists provide lectures free to the public, and high school students work realistic crime scenes each summer at our CSI MTSU camp. I'm Dr. Hugh Berryman, Director of FIRE. 
For more details, visit mtsunews.com. We're talking with Bryce Massey. He's an interior design major, and he is emphasizing in papers and presentations the virtues of virtual exchange in helping people communicate internationally. Talk about the need to be aware of cultural differences when you're performing one of these exchanges that might mitigate or even eliminate uh, an embarrassing faux pas. Of course, we all communicate in English. I'm not bilingual or anything like that, but uh, in Portugal and Germany and even Canada, most of them are bilingual. Most people's, maybe their English wasn't as good, so we ha- or it wasn't spoken as well, that may-, may have been a barrier for some of them to kind of overcome. So we just had to go slow and take our time to uh, be understanding as well. So if there was something they maybe they were saying that wasn't like the correct phrase, we would try our best to steer them in the correct direction. And if we were asking something they didn't quite understand, maybe the words or mean something else in a different, like the word they learned isn't quite the same word as what we're saying. So we just had to rephrase it as well. So it was just like a understanding kind of thing to uh, be patient and just go with the flow, I guess. So uh, about how long does a virtual exchange take? The student interviews ranged anywhere from 10 to 12 minutes to an hour, an hour and a half. I know for one of mine, I talked for maybe 10 minutes on one of them. And then my very first one, we talked for an hour and 45 minutes just because it was really fun to talk to someone from a different country. For the whole conference presentation kind of thing, it took quite a few hours. It was about, I want to say four, four and a half in total for our streaming uh, with all the countries on there. You tap the opportunity to connect with people from different parts of the world without having to visit the region. That's, mm-hmm. that's a quote. How would you respond to the argument that while digital communication is essential, you can't do without it in this day and age, it might behoove people to visit regions where they have business interest every once in a while to get the the feel, the sense of being in country. I think that that's so important. I am able to be connected to my new friends in Portugal and Canada and Germany through like social media, like Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. And I've talked to the, a lot of them a lot just through social media. But having been get, given the chance to go to Germany, it's really cool to see how they live their daily lives and how... It's different than us. You say the sustainability of a project should not depend on short-term funding. Uh, how do, how does one establish long-term funding solutions across borders? After all, you've got different currencies in different nations. Right, for sustainability. Mm-hmm. So I think sustainability comes down to not only just a personal thing, but a, on a government level as well. Germany has it set in place where it's very easy to recycle and whatnot and make sure they can live somewhat of a sustainable life and going down to their energy usage and transportation as well. Whereas here in America, we aren't quite as focused on that. We use and use and use and use. We don't really focus on the reuse of something or its next life. And even in tier design, we have a focus on the lifespan of something and what it can be used as after. So, you know, plastic is a big issue in our world right now. And so if we take plastic and recycle it, if it's been correctly cleaned and whatnot, it can be turned into 
new things. Like it can be returned into the same thing it was, or it can be turned into storage containers and whatnot, or it could be turned into even fabric. I saw a Adidas ad a while ago, and they're taking the plastic from plastic bottles and they're turning it and weaving it into fabric to make shoes out of. So I thought that was really awesome. Each person should do their part. Maybe you don't use water bottles every single day. You use a reusable ceramic cup or you use an aluminum or cup or like a Yeti or something like that to get your water in from the water fountain. Or you are using reusable storage containers to uh, go get your food from the like a wholesale grocery store or something like that. Um, I think that that's the start of something for us. And um, if there was maybe sort of something more of, a, of, in- of an incentive to recycle, I think we would be doing a little bit better. But you mentioned sustainability in conjunction in your paper, in conjunction with funding. Where does the long-term funding come from? So the long-term funding should be coming from a program set in place by our government. And we'll take a break right here. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, WISE advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TERA, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Bryce Massey is our guest. He's a senior from Strawberry Plains. He majors in interior design, and he is talking up virtual exchanges as ways to facilitate global communication. Uh, What did you personally learn from the uh, November 12th virtual exchange that that you found uh, instructive and informative? I've learned that um, being connected like just as we previously mentioned, like not only through like social media and like online and uh, whatnot, but also going the extra mile to like maybe try to visit these places is something that's pretty essential in our lives that we should try to get out there and learn as much as possible. Um, One of my big takeaways is uh, patience and understanding Um, because we all live different lives and it's so important to know like it, I think it's irresponsible to think that everyone lives the same exact way mm-hmm. because there's so many different ways of doing things. And I think that that's, that's what I've learned most is that we all can afford to make a little change in, uh, mm-hmm. in our everyday lives. Okay. Uh, you're an interior design major mm-hmm. and yes. your virtual exchange was done for Dr. Christy Julian's interior design 4110 class. Yes. Our residential design two class. Yes. Okay. How does the rubric that you're promoting here relate to interior design specifically? Because we we haven't really tied your major into this particular project. Right. Okay. So um, with 
interior design and this project, if you look at it just like as two separate things, it doesn't really make a lot of sense as to why maybe they're connected. But whenever you break down interior design, we are not only just you know, putting up drapes and painting walls and whatnot. We're also talking about the materials of how what it goes into building and whatnot. Sourcing materials sustainably is and super important. So and also so the big part of the project was waste, transportation, food, um, energy usage, and water usage. Um so with all of those, each of those have some type of aspect. Minus maybe the food, um, but that was still important for some of the other aspects of the project for maybe other countries as well. Um, but most of those have parts that in, it relate to interior design, like the how close are you sourcing your products or where are they coming from? Um, is the product you're using sustainable? Where I, what, what I mean by that is, is the fabric, what is happening to the fabric cuttings that come off of a, a sofa or a chair? Um, Where's the, the wood coming from? Is it coming from like um, overseas? Is it coming from our backyard? Is it coming from South America? Wherever it's coming from, um, that has an impact on the toxins going off into our you know our, our world. So um, we have to remember the we have to remember where everything's coming from as far as like interior design is uh, um, concerned and how it's going to react after the use of its life is over with. Um, even like we, something we discussed was in hurricane Katrina down in on the Gulf and or down South, wherever uh, we, there were a lot of building materials that got flushed into the waterways and something that comes off of, those building materials are VOCs and toxins and whatnot. So those get flushed into our waterways and um, that then affects our food supply and then our water supply and it can poison people and people can get really, really sick off of that. And in some, some cases, some people can even die and whatnot. So if we're putting things that aren't sustainable and able to be reused after life, they probably aren't going to affect and harm our ecosystem in the, in the long run. Do you think that uh, the interior design industry is a leader on this issue, or do you think it still has some work to do? I think that we probably still have a little bit of work to do. I think that um, a lot of companies want, when they, they want something, they want it done quickly, and quickly doesn't always mean that it's the safest materials and whatnot. So. You want something sourced economically and sustainably, um, but maybe they don't want to wait six weeks for their chairs or whatnot. They want to they want it now, so you go with a different company, and maybe they're from China and they're not built as well, so the life cycle of that chair doesn't last as long um, and whatnot. So I think that all in all, not just not just in terms of I think all of the um all of the occupations and whatnot that are focused around building materials and stuff like that need to uh take a step back and realize that there is the potential for growth and change in there so you think that there is a way to provide quality affordability and sustainability 
all at the same time. That these are not competing values, they, uh, right. regardless of what some uh, business persons might think. Correct. Yes, I think that um, there are plenty, 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 plenty of furniture manufacturers based here in the U.S. that are sourcing their materials from the U.S. and that are getting their stuff made locally and getting their stuff handcrafted and that lasts so much longer and is so much better of a product uh in the long run it's it's a little it's not as hard as most people would think specifically what would you like to do when you graduate do you want to go for your master's do you want to go straight into the workforce well um as of now i do have a job lined up for after i graduate i'm currently working at that job right now i'm an interior designer in nashville um i do corporate commercial design um I love I love all aspects of interior design. So later on in life, I'd love to have my own firm. Um, but one of my big passions is historical preservation. I love uh, older architecture and whatnot. I think that it should be preserved and remade and whatnot into our future because it's so beautiful. And yes, I would love to go back and get my master's in architecture uh, and ultimately maybe even my PhD in uh, historical preservation or sustainability. And um, I'd love to teach later on in life as well. So that's great. How did you become interested in interior design in the first place? So from a young age, I'd always, I thought that I wanted to be a chef because I was like, oh, I'm going to design my, uh, I'm going to draw my restaurant. I'm going to say how I want it to be. And here's my floor plan and everything like that. But what I really was doing was designing, you know, buildings and whatnot. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that's actually more interesting to me than going to school to learn how to cook. So Yeah. Well, are you a good cook anyway? I am a good cook, I like to say. Yeah, I, I would, at least I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and so you just sort of discovered this talent for uh, building and designing by accident, really, just by yeah. drawing stuff. Mm -hmm. It was something that I wasn't as aware of, mm -hmm. but it's become such an important part of my life mm -hmm. and something I'm just so passionate about now. Um, and I just, I'm so glad that I made the decision to come to MTSU for interior design because I just, I love it so much. Well, you're doing businesses now. Would you like to do residences? I would. I think, I think I would in the future. Um, cause I, I think that's a little more fun. Mm -hmm. Get a little bit more, maybe a little bit more freedom to mm -hmm. do some more, uh, interesting things that I wouldn't necessarily be able to do in like an office. Yeah. So, um. Like with an office, you have to be concerned about how you present yourself to many different kinds of people in the public. But a home is very individualistic, and yes. it uh, ideally should reflect the personality of its owner or its residents, right? Very much so, yeah. There is this big movement right now going into uh, commercial spaces. It's called resumercial. So people want... The idea of a cubicle and a private office is kind of going away and more of an open office where people can collaborate and do more of team building and team exercises and uh, is coming into play. So people want their more soft surfaces and soft spaces for people to sit and be comfortable. And they want landing spaces where people can like come and sit down and do, you know, maybe they have a quick meeting at this table and then 45 minutes later, someone's sitting there doing a project that they have to do. and uh, then. The, it's, the idea is that spaces are evolving throughout the day and they're not just used for one thing. You could have a beautiful conference room that is mm -hmm. decked out to the nines and whatnot mm -hmm. all day long, but, but it's only used once a week. All right. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So why would you spend in my, and in, in some cases that I've experienced, you know, 60 to $80,000 on handcrafted furniture, that's only going to be used once a day or once a week, even, um, whenever you could spend that money into your workspaces that can be transitioned to something else throughout the day. And you can put up modular walls that maybe create a little bit more privacy, but they are still able to be open as well. So, And with regard to the residences, uh, the idea of having it, your interior look like that 1950s Leave it to Beaver kind of Eisenhower era sameness is not as popular as a quirky individuality. It might not mean anything to anybody else, but you you wanting this color on this wall or this painting over here or this type of design reflects who you are. Mm -hmm. You're not doing it to please whoever steps through the front door. You're doing it to please you. Yes. Um, And that's something I admire and love about interior design is that it's it's human centered and it's different every single time. No matter who you go to, you'll get a different design and you'll get a different concept and a different idea as to what is being done. Um, so yeah, the idea of cookie cutter is isn't really a, a thing anymore. People want individualism and you know eclecticism is so uh, in style right now and you. Know, People really want their space to be not only their sanctuary and their like comfortable space they can come to, but they want to be able to show it off and like be like, okay, well, you know, I've worked for this and this is, this is, this is my home. And like, not, not just saying my home, it used to be like, um, well, where I flop down at the yeah, end of the day. This is, you know, this is where I sit in the afternoon watching TV and I eat my TV dinner. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that anymore. It's like, well, this is my entertaining space, but it's, this is my workspace. This is my, uh, this is my chill zone. This is where mm-hmm. I'm raising my family. It's, it's a show showroom. Now your home is like turning into this space that is not just aesthetically pleasing, but multifunctional makes you feel good about being you. Yes, absolutely. If there's if there was only some way to get this across to the guys who design subdivisions, oh. uh, <laughs> talk of you know McMansion. No comment on that. <laughs> McMansion after McMansion oh. after McMansion, mm-hmm. and every one of them looks exactly the same. Gotta love it. Oh, gotta love it. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Bryce Massey, thank you for being our guest today. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. 
MTSU School of Nursing and Ascension St. Thomas have partnered to create a nursing corps for student veterans in the university's nursing program. Michelle Robertson, COO and Chief Nursing Officer at Ascension St. Thomas, explains. Once selected, the nursing corpsman will be connected with employment as a nursing intern, and then once in place, the St. Thomas Nursing Corps Associate will receive a monetary stipend following each successful semester in the nursing program, with additional incentives for grades with, of 3.5 or higher. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes. <laughs>